I want to welcome you all to another Daily Decade, your rosary on the road. Uh, I have no special intentions in the inbox today, but that having been said, I did check it a little bit earlier than usual, so there may be somebody who sent something in that I haven't seen yet. In which case, I'll be sure to remember you on the next show. I've got two people that have reached out to me, not as a, not as the voice of the Daily Decade, but uh, sort of individually with um, some issues, and I want to pray for them. And you can remember them on your rosary as just friends of the Daily Decade uh, for both anonymity and privacy because they did not explicitly ask to be prayed for in this venue. I want to be as, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? decent as possible in, uh, in preserving their privacy, but uh, both of them are having issues of a marital nature, which is ironic because I had so I had that on my mind this weekend, so I was planning on talking about it today anyway. But if you'll remember those two friends of the of the Daily Decade and your rosaries, uh, so that they'll get through the difficulties they're going through and they're of a variety of degrees. Otherwise, I just want to pray for everybody who's in the midst of Lent right now and that it will continue to be a fruitful Lent, or if it hasn't been fruitful, it will become fruitful. If it has been, that it shall ever become more fruitful. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, Ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. 
Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in hora mortis nostre. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus Dei. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in hora mortis nostre. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto, Sicura Rat Principio et Nunc et Semper et Seculo Seculorum. Amen. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, weeping and mourning from this valley of tears. Turn then, O gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy unto us, and after this our exile, shew unto us the blessed fruit of, the, of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. Ora pro nobis, sancta Dei genetrix, ut dignis officiamor promissionibus Christi. Oremos. Pour forth we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. For all those struggling with marital disputes, St. Joseph, blessed spouse of the Blessed Virgin Mary, pray for us. O Blessed Mother, perfect wife and perfect mother, perfect handmaid of the Lord, watch over the husbands who watch over their wives and encourage the wives who follow their husbands and strengthen us each in our state in life that we may follow your example of perfection and the path of sainthood for the greater glory of thy Son and our most blessed Lord, Jesus Christ, who with the Father and the Son, with the Father and the Holy Ghost, reigneth now and forever, world without end. Amen. For all of us, in all our battles and struggles and disputes, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Sacratissimum cor Jesu, miserere nobis. Sacratissimum cor Jesu, miserere nobis. Sacratissimum cor Jesu, adveniat regnum tuum. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. 
I realized I was in such a rush to dive into the prayer that I utterly neglected to remind you where you can send your prayer intentions if you have any of them. That's to Daily Decade Requests at ProtonMail.com. Decade, D-E-C-A-D-E, requests in the plural at ProtonMail.com. And uh, you'll be able to give everybody, especially in the season of Lent, which is a season of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, although fasting does seem to have the precedence, prayer and almsgiving are still a major part of the Lenten devotion. And you'll give us an opportunity for prayer and a sort of spiritual almsgiving that is pleasing to God where we bring our intentions before Him on behalf of others. It's not almsgiving, strictly speaking, but those three pillars of Lent are intimately tied together. One cannot exist without the others, and each one of them is is tied very closely together. And there was a spectacular sermon I heard, and for the life of me, uh, I cannot remember where... Well, no, I, I was about to say I cannot remember where, but that's not true. It was at a, a parish that I was going to. Uh, and it was on how the temptations of, of Christ in the desert are the temptations of the devil in direct contrast to those uh, three pillars of the faith and particularly of Lent, uh, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. You have uh, in the... Uh, you have the temptation to gluttony, the temptation to ostentation, and the uh, temptation to uh, to wealth and power that the devil tempts Christ with. And those are countered by fasting against gluttony, prayer against uh, pride and ostentation, and uh, almsgiving against the uh, quest for power and money and wealth. It's an interesting balance, and it's more so that those three things should have been the three things that the devil tried to uh, tempt our Lord with, not fully understanding who he was, clearly. At any rate, uh, in this Lenten season, we have an opportunity to improve a a large number of our uh, various areas of life, and for those of us in the married state, it's a really good opportunity to draw closer together with our our wives and our husbands. And so I'm adding and our husbands because I've become aware of the female audience that we have here, which for most of the time that I've been recording these, I've assumed did not exist. So I suppose I'll have to temper my language somewhat. But it's been on my mind because we've started out Lent and I have to confess I had something of a moment over the weekend where the beginning of Lent and the uh, pressures of the of the fast and of the sacrifices I've chosen to make rather got to me, and I'm afraid my wife bore the brunt of that. As as happens, temper temper flares up, words are said. It could just be small, nasty words that aren't that shouldn't be said. Uh, it it sort of it'll ruin the next 15 to 20 minutes until you realize that you've been a cad and go and apologize. Uh, as is what happened with me. And my wife is a, is making just as much of an effort, probably more of an effort than I am, to be a good Christian. So uh, we reconcile easily. But I know that not a lot of people have that blessing. And uh, now is an excellent time to really focus in on that sort of thing. There's a, 
a great opportunity in the married life to practice forgiveness uh, and a uh, and to practice a, a degree of um, of admonition as well. The passage in Scripture is uh, "Husbands love your wives," and, and that's the uh, uh, that's what I wanted to hone in on. It, it's, I had started thinking about it on Friday, and then that. Uh, little argument took place on Saturday and I thought well now I've got to talk about it uh, and uh, the reason why is because there's a lot of emphasis placed on this in evangelical sermons uh, in the Orthodox Church I, I've been to a lot of different churches over my life and I've heard a lot of different people talk about uh, this passage in the relationship of husband to wife and usually it's in a sort of diminishing way. In other words, it puts all of the impetus on the husband uh, to uh, to basically wait upon the wife hand and foot. It's a very bad misunderstanding of what husband love your wives means. The model, of course, being that it, it's they take the self-sacrificial quality of Christ's love for the church, but they leave out the other element, which is that Christ is the son of God, but he's also God, and that means that inevitably there's also rather a parental relationship there uh, between Christ and, and the church in that all of us are members of the church, Holy Mother Church we call her. And in that regard, Christ has a paternal role to play as well, or at least a role of great authority, which is, in the case of our Lord, consummate authority over the church. His authority is total. It is a transcending authority. It goes beyond the authority of father over children, beyond the authority of husband over wife, beyond even the authority of king over his subjects. Christ's authority is total, absolute, and it is uh, absolute in a way beyond the full measure of human understanding. And so the same thing is true of his love because his love and his authority are, in, are inextricably linked. Uh, this is why the image of Christ as husband to wife, uh, uh, the wife being the church, is referred to by St. Paul as a great mystery because it is beyond human understanding to really see how the authority of Christ, the love of Christ, the truth of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ, everything about him and about God is bound together in an inextricable way. You can't separate them out, and one does not exceed the other in the same way that the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are co-eternal. So, too, they share in this measure of authority and truth and love that God is. Not just that God, I almost said that God represents. He doesn't represent anything. He is these things being itself and his being is bound all these things are bound up in his being and if you really want to get mystical then he's beyond being and he is that thing in which being is bound up in it's the the full scope of the mystery is uh, is it's it's literally mind-boggling it, it if you stop to think about it you can't really think about it. It just baffles you. It stops you in your tracks. That's the nature of God. And the same thing is true of Christ's love for his church. It is a, 
a great mysterious thing, but we can un get close to understanding it by way of analogy when we understand, well, should, by way of analogy, yes, I'll use the word analogy there, to describe the love of a husband for his wife and his relationship with her. Because a husband's love should be self-sacrificial uh, and should be geared towards the care, protection, and provision that is taken for wife and children. That's, that's what we are here for. That's our purpose. That's our state in life. If we're not priests, then we are husbands and fathers. If we're not husbands and fathers, then we are priests. No one else is a man. If you do not occupy one of those roles, then you're not a man. Every man is not a man until he has wife and child. And in the case of the priest or the monk, he, his wife is Holy Mother Church, and his children are his spiritual children. But if you are not, if you don't occupy one of those states in life, you are still a child. And it's it's an effort that you should undertake to overcome that. But that's the reality. The first step is what that's the 12-step programs all say. Isn't the first step recognizing that you have a problem? The first step of becoming an adult is realizing that you are not one yet. The first step to becoming a man is recognizing that you are not one yet. And that's the, also the importance of sacramental matrimony, because it's the only means whereby you truly enter that state. It's, where you, it's the only place where you truly take the binding vows that, uh, that make you Christ to her church. But Christ does many things with his church. He loves his church and sacrifices for his church and gives of his flesh and his blood. But the other thing that Christ does, which is of equal importance, is Christ admonishes his church. And Christ sends uh, chastisements upon his church to guide her correctly. Uh, of course, the chastisements that Christ sends upon the church can sometimes be quite harsh. Think of the Protestant Reformation and the, the shattering of the church with the hammer blow that that carried. Or the chastisement of bad leadership. It's not a perfect analogy because how can you set up a bad vicar in your wife's head? I suppose as a, as a chastisement or punishment, it's not doesn't quite line up perfectly since humans cannot chastise as God chastises since Christ is God. But the goal of the chastisement can be the same as any action that a man takes towards his wife which seeks to admonish, to guide, and to lead her in a, in a loving way. And so Christ performs three acts of love in relationship to the church. He exemplifies or models he admonishes and chastises and he sacrifices himself and these are the three loves that a man shows to his wife his sacrificial providing love which all of us must do uh, if your wife is the breadwinner in your household I understand circumstances can be varied out there in the world, but I cannot admonish you strongly enough. One husband and father to another, fix that situation. 
it's difficult to fix that situation, I understand. Sacrifices are difficult things. And in cases where a cross is proper to our station as men, we don't have an option. We have to take that cross upon ourselves. Now, there are many voluntary crosses that our wives may present us with that we don't need to put on our shoulders. But crosses that are proper to our station are crosses which we must bear. We don't have a choice. And one of those crosses is to ensure that you are providing support and sacrificial protection for your wife such that she does not have to fend for herself. A woman who has to fend for herself while married is a woman who might as well not be married at all. And that can create some difficult situations. And pray that you don't find yourself in one of those situations. The other kind of love is modeling love. It's the, the example that Christ offers to all the members of the church and to, Holy, and to the church as a whole. And that is his example of teaching and of living the prayer, fasting, and almsgiving that we talk about in Lent, as well as the, the perfect life, the constant striving, the submission of the human will to the divine will. Because if you cannot model perfect submission in yourself to God, it will be very difficult to, to expect that submission from your wife. Don't ever submit to your wife. Submit to God and model that submission because then your wife will submit to you and your children will submit to your wife and to you. That's one of the successes that, uh, that good parenting creates. You will have good parenting, good good structures of marriage produce good children because there's a perfect hierarchy. But just as in states, just as in politics, if God is not king, if he does not appoint and rule over the kingdom, then the entire thing is nothing but a waste of time. That's why republics rise and fall with, with the, in the way that they do. The Holy Roman Empire lasted for a thousand years. I would challenge anyone to name me one democratic institution that had that kind of longevity. The reason why it does, not to get political, but the reason why it doesn't work is because God's not king. Christ isn't king. If you don't have a hierarchy of the spirit, you can never produce a hierarchy of the flesh. And a household without a hierarchy of the flesh is no household at all. That's why there was uh, that, that wonderful anecdote from the Spartan king when uh, the uh, he was uh, it was the first king of Sparta he laid down the, the, the laws of Sparta and the there was a, an Athenian transplant or a Spartan that had fallen in love with Athens Lord knows why uh, had come and uh, sought to set up a democracy in Sparta and the king responded begin first with your own household a household that is not hierarchical will produce no good fruit like a tree with the roots in the air and the leaves underground. It cannot live. So that hierarchy is, is necessary because it reflects the natural state and it also reflects the divine state. And the model, that hierarchy is born out of a model. It's born out of an example. And you as husband and father must set that example. It's difficult. I strive for it. I fall short. But it's a model and an example that you must set in imitation of Christ setting the example for his church. 
And finally, there's the admin, the the uh, teaching love, the chastising and admonishing love, and that is to guarantee. And this is part of protection as well. It's to you see someone going astray in your household, you have to correct them. You have to show not just by not just by example, but also by word. You have to correct their behavior and their thinking if they go astray, if they're keeping bad company. Now, this doesn't mean you go about with scepter and sword and hand and sever all ties and, uh, and, and rule with an iron fist and even in velvet glove. But it does mean that if bad television shows or bad books or bad company making its way into your household, you have a responsibility to stop that. And to be aware. You don't have to grill your wife or your children every single time they walk in front of you as to what, they're, what they've been doing and what company they've been keeping. But show interest in the day-to-day. Ask regularly, converse about it, talk about it. There's nothing that happens in my wife's day that I don't know about, and it's not because I ask about it. She volunteers the information because we talk frequently. And that's not... Again, I don't, I don't mean to boast in myself. I, I, St. Paul says you should boast in the cross. But it's something that has worked, and it's something that I, seems to accord with the church teaching on the matter. And honestly, with a lot of secular teachers of good relationships to talk about conversation and communication and all that. Well, what does that do? It allows you to be aware of what's going on and, and spot things before they become problems. If, you're keep, if your wife is keeping company with people that uh, believe in birth control or, counter, or contradict the church's teachings on sexual ethics, well... That could blossom into a real problem if you're not very, if you are both not very clear on exactly what the church teaches and exactly why we must submit ourselves to that that teaching. That's a conversation worth having. Uh, it's been a great blessing for me. I don't deserve any credit. God deserves all the credit that my wife and I have spent a lot of our time on the same page. Part of that is because open communication and dedication, equal dedication to the Holy Church. Once again where God is king and the hierarchy reigns, all the morality follows. God alone, all the rest will follow. I know that this has sounded a lot like a lecture and a lot like preaching, and I I don't mean it to so much. It's something that I've reflected upon, and when I examine my own marriage, these are the things that I've found have caused my marriage to work. And whenever I go against these things or stray from these things, I find that I come into conflict with my wife and, and cause a great deal of trouble for both myself and for her, and inevitably for our children. And so I hope that you all will not take it as a sort of preaching or a sort of lecturing or holding myself up as an example. I don't, I don't mean to do that. The whole point of this is to try to uh, take things, process them, turn them into positive results in our spiritual life. I have found that these three things, whenever I strive to imitate Christ in that way, it produces positive results in my marriage and for my children. I haven't lived my entire life yet. I suppose there's the possibility that it could cause a great deal of trouble down the road. It hasn't yet. And I don't think that it will. And so I hope that you'll 
take this as a reflection that's that may be worthy of your time or may not be worthy of your time, but one which could do wonderful things for you. It's done wonderful things for me to think and act in this way. And my prayer is that in whatever your state in life, whether you're married or whether you're single seeking to be married, that your marriage will always reflect the relationship of Christ and His Holy Church. Not just in that you will be a good Christian imitating Christ in your state, but that the harmony that is natural between Christ and His body, Christ and His Church, will manifest itself in your marriage. And I know I've directed this mostly to men after I just said that I have a lot of women in the audience. I hope that, sisters, you'll forgive me for that. But uh, maybe it's something that will spark conversation. So let my prayer and our parting be that your marriage will always reflect the relationship of Christ and his church with all of his strength and all of his humility, with all of his authority and all of his sacrificing love, and with that harmony that exists in the Holy Trinity and which exists in the church triumphant and which we pray will manifest itself here among the church militant. All for the greater glory of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.